Hello and welcome to the Boot Camp for Your Mind podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Werdeman, certified life, weight, and career coach. And in today's episode, we have a very special guest, which I cannot wait to introduce you to. Uh, her name is Sarah Townley, and she is a pharmacist and a type 2 diabetes coach, mom of, listen to this, six children. And she lives in Billing, Montana. And yay, I'm so happy to have you here, Sarah. Oh, thanks for having me, Michelle. It's so fun to reconnect with you and get to play and have fun with your audience today. Yeah, no. And that's one thing I love to do with my podcast is just kind of have some fun because we talk about real shit. And a lot of times, like, you just have to kind of laugh at yourself. Um, But yeah, so Sarah and I um, met several years ago through coach training. And one of the things I loved about Sarah was that like, she just says what's on her mind and she's not afraid. (laughs) I love your face right now. (laughs) Um, But yeah, just kind of like you're keeping it real. And her and I connected a couple of weeks ago and just had so much fun kind of laughing at ourselves as entrepreneurs, as moms getting through COVID and just all sorts of stuff. So I thought, and Sarah thought it would be such a great idea to really kind of have the conversation um, recorded so that every other mom out there and, you know, father, if you will, can just hear what we have to say and just laugh because I think so often we just keep things inside and we think they're, we're the only ones experiencing it all. So yeah, so that's what we're going to do today. <laughs> yes. Uh, expect a lot of inappropriate things and sorry, not sorry's. <laughs> yeah, I know that's a- I was recording once and somebody asked me, they're like, are you PG-13? I was like, well, for the most part, I do drop some F-bombs here and there. And actually, so that's a good point. Do you swear in front of your children? No, they do not know that I even know swear words. (laughs) Okay. okay. (laughs) See, I'm a little bit different. I do. (laughs) I do every once in a while. I'm not like, it's not a daily practice, but like my kids know that. Like, I'm not saying them in mean ways, but like, I have to admit that sometimes shit just comes out. Okay. That word is not classified as the cursing that I'm talking about. Uh, Okay. So you can say that word. No, but it does sometimes come out. Okay. (laughs) It does. It does. I know. And I think I probably horrify some people, but at the same time, like it's me. Like that's who I am. Yeah, (laughs) it's true. Um, Yeah. So do you, how about, do you want to just kind of give us a little bit about your background and kind of what's been going on with you? How'd you get into coaching and all that? I'll make it quick because I really rather talk about all my kids and school starting and how wonderful that is. (laughs) Can we celebrate that? I forgot. Yes. Cause we were supposed to actually have this conversation yesterday. Yes. I was a hot mess. (laughs) And yeah, so, yeah, I know I yeah. actually had so much more mind space. Like that's one thing that I really am clear on now after having this many kids this long, I have six kids. So they, the oh. oldest is 12. So 12, 10, nine, seven, four and a half, one. <laughs> and you are like still put together, <laughs> you know, it's okay. Like I do my best and it's enough. And the threshold of what's good enough has to change sometimes on the daily, Mm -hmm. depending on how, what I need, what supports me in believing is necessary. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so that I do have six kids and they're all pretty little and school started yesterday and hallelujah. But I realized that the, I don't, it's not just like, it's not just all of the questions that they're coming at me with all the time. It's the fact that I don't have, and it's not just like the physical bodies touching me and on me and all the demands and the needs. Ugh. It's the fact that I don't have mental space mm-hmm. to have a thought process that is complete. Yeah. And so when they're gone, I don't have that constant interjection and stimulation into my own thinking process. And it feels so luxurious and abundant and spacious in my mind. Mm-hmm. And that is what I'm really wanting every day that I'm not getting when I'm with all my kids. So yesterday was just amazing. They were gone for hours. I was in my office with myself. I was in meditation with myself and it just felt so like with myself at home. Yeah. Oh, it was great. And yeah. So a little bit more about me is that I am a clinical pharmacist of 15 years. I left my work in healthcare because I became really passionate about correcting the cause of chronic disease. Mm-hmm. And that's not something we usually do in modern medicine. We usually yeah. just give, give medications. And I was the expert of medications that try to fix people with meds, but we all can understand that meds don't fix people usually um, yeah. when it comes to yeah. chronic, chronic problems. And so I left because I wanted to offer people that option because I found out that most people don't just want a pill, especially when yeah. they're suffering, right? They really want to fix the problem from the cause. And, um, they wanted my help with that, but I wasn't allowed to do that in a clinic. So I left to do that for people who want to work with me. And so I really just work with type two diabetes, but most of those people have multiple problems and are on many medications. Um, but I coach them through a membership group or one-on-one from my home when, when I can. And now that my kids are not here, then I have a lot more time and I love, love, love coaching. It's changed my life. Really? Like I, like same for me, I used to, like, I'm very open about, um, I used to get really bad anxiety and panic attacks and I got coaching. And what I realized through the coaching was that I was just making it worse because I didn't want to feel my feelings. Like I didn't want to feel anxious. I was afraid to be anxious and it was just causing more. Mm -hmm. Um, and once I kind of learned that like I was in charge of my own brain and I could just kind of be a watcher of my thoughts, it really like did a 180, like my life just, it became so much better. And it wasn't bad before that, Mm -hmm. but I was playing victim to like, oh my God, like, I'm just, I'm an anxious person because I'm not a worrier, which is crazy because like, I'm, you know, people used to ask me, they're like, well, what do you, like, what do you get anxious about? I'm like, I get anxious about being anxious. Like, and it's so crazy to think that way, unless you have anxiety and you know what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. but it was just that fear of that feeling. Yeah. And you and I know going through coaching, like the worst thing that can happen is a feeling, right. And they don't last, they go away. But, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, as moms and going through this pandemic and God bless you having six kids, I have two, um, there's a lot of feelings we feel. Yeah. And it's still work that I have to get, that I want to get better at and I have to do every day. And so for anybody that's been practicing this, 
I think we think it's like another skill that we would just like get good at cooking or get good at, I don't know, sewing or public speaking or whatever, but like, it's something that I think takes, it's because you're really trying to get to know yourself on a level that is constantly expanding. Yeah. You're Mm -hmm. always expanding. You're always becoming more of you. And so the experience of trying to get to know yourself changes a lot. And we do a lot of that work by tuning into our feelings and processing Mm -hmm. our feelings. And so I just want to encourage anybody that's not sure how to do that or feels like they're not good at it. Like it's something that you will always be practicing and maybe never mastering. And that's okay because who you become is more of you if you're willing to do that work. Yeah. And now how do you practice? What do you do? Well, I, I think I told you this, but, um, and I, I have learned to stop and focus when I'm experiencing an emotion that is uncomfortable because it's a message. Mm -hmm. It's a signal that I'm in conflict with something in my environment internally. And so if I want to understand that, where that's coming from, I have to at least acknowledge it, identify it and define what are the thoughts or what is going on for me right now. And that is something that's not easy to do when you're juggling, right? Yeah. When you're trying to run around and do your life every day, sometimes you don't have time to stop and be like, what's going on? What's this feeling? (laughs) Especially if you're about to like totally explode on your kids. Yeah. Um, but even that's my biggest, right. That's my biggest training ground is my kids. That's where I find myself the most triggered. And I've really focused on this in the last few weeks because I would, I would get angry and and it would rule me if I allowed it to, Mm -hmm. but I noticed if I just pause and pay attention and watch myself, I'm actually getting overwhelmed or sad before Mm -hmm. I freak out. Yeah. And it's that moment that I'm trying to get past. I actually use anger to compensate or overcome the feeling of sadness because that feels vulnerable or overwhelmed because that feels weak. So I get angry in order to take control of that emotion that feels vulnerable to me. Yeah. I love that. Like, it's funny you bring that up because I use anger when I'm scared. Yes. Like with my kids. Yeah. Like for some reason, I don't know what it is, but since the time they were infants, the stairs have always freaked me out. Like I am always afraid that my child is going to fall down the stairs and break their neck. Like that is just, I want to say it's an irrational fear, but at the same time, I'm like, well, it could kind of happen. But so when I see my kids like playing and now they're eight and 11 now, like they're not tiny, but when I see them at the top of the staircase, I I scream and it's because I'm afraid, like, I'm afraid that they're going to fall down. And they just look at me and be like, you are crazy. Yes. Yes. Like we're not even near there. But remember, like you can feel paralyzed in fear, but if you're angry, you take action. Yeah. You scream, you run, you do something and and, and it's an activated emotion. And so it kind of makes sense evolutionarily why we would jump to anger instead of fear or overwhelm or sadness. And so what I've been trying to do is, when I notice, oh, like I'm getting teary, like the tears are coming or I'm feeling very sad because there's poop on the carpet. Seriously, this happened. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Poop on the carpet. And it was my baby's poop. 
and somebody was trying to give her a bath without telling me and they didn't put her clothes back on in time. And oh God. you know, that's what happens. <laughs> and while I'm trying to deal with that, there's, I noticed paint on the wall. Somebody's on a device that they're not supposed to be on. Oh, they've been eating upstairs. And I start thinking thoughts like nobody listens to me, you know, mm-hmm. and then I get, I start feeling sad. And instead of just letting myself feel sad and overwhelmed and giving myself space to feel mm-hmm. that I would get super angry and start screaming and yelling and acting like a psychopath. Yeah. So, so what I've, I've at least been able to pinpoint that to the point that I, the, since then I've noticed when I'm, when I'm feeling that way with my kids, like I'm feeling really sad. I just let myself stay in the sadness. I don't try to jump to anger. And that has been at least I'm telling you what cry in front of your kids, that's going to get their attention way more than you freaking and screaming out. Yes. Yes. I used to, so my son, Jack, he's very sensitive. If he thought he upset me, which I would pretend to cry sometimes. And then I'd look at him, he would start to cry. It totally got his attention. Cause you know what, that, that is such a funny thing you bring up because my baby is one in a couple months. And you know, the first time they start hitting your face or something, they're just kind of, they don't know what's going on, but they're hitting you and you have to teach them not to hit. Mm-hmm. The best way for me to do that, and it's kind of sad and a little sadistic, but I start to <laughs> cry like in pain when they hit yeah. me hard in the face and they're, and I watch the remorse. It's like the first time they've experienced the emotion of yeah. remorse. And it's fascinating to watch it take over their face and their body. And then they start to cry. Um, but like, that's better for me to teach them that than no, and get angry and hit them back. Hit them back. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I think that's so great because your, uh, your daughter's learning at an early age, like very early, like this is the reaction if I take this action. So I think that's, I think that's huge. So can I just actually jump in really quickly about your poop story? (laughs) So this was years ago. So it must've been nine years ago, my daughter was potty training and I was working at brokerage firm, but I was working from home that day. And the Facebook IPO was coming out Mm -hmm. and it was just like this crazy time. We're trying to ticket shares. I'm on the phone with like guy that I work with. My manager was in his office. I didn't know I was on speakerphone and I'm talking, like I look over and there was a ginormous poop on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I just, I was on the phone, like super stressed out. And I was like, you know what? I didn't think I'd ever say this, but I was like, I'm going to call you guys back. Cause my daughter just shit on the floor. <laughs> they were like, please take care of that. And that's where my uh, manager turned in. He's like, hello, Michelle. <laughs> I was like, oh, hello. Didn't know you were there. They were like, yeah, Yeah. you need to stop and go take care. That's probably the best excuse we've ever heard for why you need to leave the meeting. Yeah. Like that's not something made up because who wants to make that up? (laughs) (laughs) But I just remember the look on her face. She was just like, what? Like I had to go. I took off my diaper. Like, hmm. Which it's so funny. Like, I don't know with your kids, like potty training. That was the one thing like my. I felt like my kids were afraid to go poop on the potty. Like pee, that was one thing. We got that down in like a day or two. Yeah. But it was something about just, you yeah. guys, I got the best advice from my friends that have had many children. Like I, in amongst my friends, I don't actually have the most 
I have like a medium amount. Yeah. (laughs) Medium? Six is medium? What do you guys do out there in Billings, Montana? (laughs) Well, (laughs) we do not use a lot of birth control is what it comes down to. We do if we really need to, you know, but many of my friends over the course of 20 childbearing years, you can have quite a few kids and it not be just like bam, bam, bam. Right. (laughs) Um, but yeah, they do pile up fast, but my friends that had had many kids told me just wait until they're really ready. And they are the ones telling you they want to go on the potty. And so it's actually, this is also sadistic, but you could (laughs) make them convince you that it's time for them to go on the potty. And then you're like, no, wait, just no. Like, and they're like, no, listen, even my diaper really sucks. I'm sick of this. I'm ready to go on the potty. Mm-hmm. And then when they're ready, they told me, and it's true from my experience that it's like a week process or less. Like if yeah. you just wait till they're really ready to do it and I'm not going to deal with poop in the undies. Yeah. So I'd rather like them be ready and deal with like poop in a diaper or whatever for another six months than yeah. poop in undies. No, thank you. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's no fun. I feel fortunate. Like my kids were really young, like but right before they each turned two and a half and they did it pretty quickly. So they, thankfully they, uh, they were pretty good, but oh yeah, kids. I, uh, I have to admit like celebrating, like we talked about, like the reason we were going to have the podcast originally yesterday was just like, I think sometimes, and some moms don't, but like some moms feel guilty that like they're excited that their kids aren't going to be home. You know what I mean? I do. It's like, yeah, especially after like the, this last year and a half, it's like, I remember I had, um, I actually recorded a podcast on my friend Nicole Perry's radio show last year, the day they went. And I was like, this is like the best day ever because they've been home now for six months, even though they're going back two days a week. I was like, but those hours are like life changing. And like you said, we joked, you um, washed your kitchen floor yesterday, which was nice. I like my whole house was so clean for a couple of hours and it was so luxurious for me because I'm used to going out. Like after I even just go do a couple of things in my room and go to the bathroom and I'll come out and there'll be food everywhere and toys everywhere and just random weird objects. Like I'm telling you, I'm not even kidding you, Michelle. We lost a Python a couple of months ago. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> And seriously, it's still alive. It was in our garage and somebody freaking found it. Oh my gosh. That, that would freak me out. (laughs) It is not necessarily an experience any of you want to reproduce, but I don't want to see a Python on my kitchen table No, or on my kitchen floor randomly. Crawling over one of your children. (laughs) Which they are totally fine with. (laughs) Yeah. That's not too bad. So they rate your babies range from almost one to 12. So do you have your older children? And I think I know the answer to this because we talked about it, help out with your younger children. Yeah. And you know, it's really funny because it isn't, hasn't been like with my oldest, it's hard. We like worship Imogene. She's our baby. Mm -hmm. Like it's really actually like extreme and we fight over her 
And so it's kind of hard to say that I make anybody do anything, but yeah, there's times where they're reading their book or they're doing, having a game and they don't want to stop and take care of her. But actually like a lot of times they want to, and there's so many of them that they can kind of pass her around. And I also do pay them. So if I have to go get on a call for an hour, I pay somebody five bucks to watch her and they're responsible for making sure she gets what she needs. Yeah. And they play with her. And, and the other day we were at church and one of my kids could go out of church with her. So they were like, I will watch Imogene. Yeah. (laughs) I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, but she needs a new diaper. And my oldest son, he is in love with her. Just like all of us, he takes her and he's like, okay, give me her diaper. And I'm like, looking at him, like, are you for real? That's so awesome. And some old lady saw, and she was like, oh, good. Teaching him young. I'm like, you know what? He loves her. He wants to change her diaper. Oh, that's so sweet. That's like, it is the most incredible thing to have a a boy. I mean, I may have another baby at some point, but these older ones like become, they just take so much joy and pleasure in becoming almost like a parent to that baby. Yeah. And the relationship that they have together is, is outside of me. Mm-hmm. No, and that's it is huge. Miracle. Yeah. It is a miracle. That's so great. And I love that comment, like teaching them young, because I found that with my kids, we started chores really pretty early on when they were like little, just little things. Like you can take your own plate from the dish, like from the table and put it in the sink and clean off your, um, you know, any food that anything that belongs in the trash. Like my kids were really pretty young when we did that as early as they they could. And we didn't do it all the time, but I feel like sometimes as moms, we feel like we have to do everything. And if we're not doing everything, then we're not doing a great job. Yeah. So there's two things I will say to that. I have a large family and I wasn't raised in a large family. And I know as a mom, the inclination is to do the work and pick up and know all the needs and get them met before anyone's even aware that they have a need. Right. Mm -hmm. But like when you have this much to do, and even maybe if you have two, you notice this, like you really can't do it all. Yeah. Like you physically cannot do it all. Mm Mm-hmm. And so then you be, you become like a unit that has to like work together. We have to come, come together as a family and meet all the needs together. Yeah. And so it's by design, I feel like built in like to a large family that they become like, they have a purpose and, and, we need their help. And so they, and I think that's really important for kids to feel needed and belonging and acceptance and all of those things. Yeah. And so by design, my kids must help for this to work for our life to run, they have to all help. And even the littlest ones. So for moms like you that could do it all mm-hmm. if you wanted to, yeah. but you intentionally, and yeah. <laughs> the, well, the end result isn't great <laughs> for anybody. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because you don't do well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like for, for moms who can do it all. And we think we should, like, we're actually missing the opportunity to give our kids that meaning and purpose and the, the, just the ability to be useful. Like people need to feel useful, right? Yeah. And you're not doing your kids any favors by doing everything for them. Yeah, I agree. In my opinion. 
Totally. Yeah. Like, and I do, I want to say that like that include, I noticed this as a mom is like that need to loving. I've heard Jordan Peterson describe loving as trying to reduce the suffering of another wanting to the desire to reduce the suffering of another. Mm-hmm. It's like an, it's an action that we're taking. And so as a mom, we, of course, we want to reduce the suffering of our children. We want to fix their problems and meet all of their needs all of the time. Yeah. But, but for them to be able to like become an independent person, they have to suffer. We're not doing it wrong when they are suffering. Just notice your desire because you love them to reduce their suffering. But the truth is that the more adversity that they experience while they're small with your support and in your comfort and safety, the better they'll be able to handle adversity because adversity is coming, right? Yeah. There's no way you can avoid it. Yep. Yeah. So I I actually view my role as to allow as much suffering (laughs) Yeah, no, I get it. (laughs) If they're suffering, it's going well. I'm doing it right. Yeah. Not that I want to cause their suffering, but if I can't relieve their suffering and I can only comfort them and have them feel safe and figure out how they want to deal with their suffering, then that Mm -hmm. is, that is me doing it right. Yeah. Cause the, you you don't want to shelter them from like real world. I mean, you know, those people, the ones that like they get to be 18 or 19 and they can't figure out how to do anything. And they're paralyzed with fear and indecision oh, yes, and completely dependent on somebody else to make the important decisions that will drive their life forward in the direction mm-hmm. they want to go. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, um, yeah, I've seen that <laughs> for sure. And it's, it's funny too. So my husband, cause I mean, he's been in the military for 23 years. So like, I remember there'd be times like we've always taken my kids out to eat, um, since the time they were babies. That's just something like with our schedules, it was just something we have this, our favorite restaurant. That's like a mile down the street, Venus. And they're like our family there. They've watched like our kids grow up. And, uh, like when they were little and they were being, as my husband would say, a-holes, like, right. just, like, you know what I, I mean? And they, they would be their kids, like, yep. but in order to kind of teach them, he would bring them out in the parking lot and be like, give me 10 pushups. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> or like if they weren't tired and they were refusing to go to bed, he's like, you want to get tired? Let's go in the garage. Like, let's give me some pushups. Let's do, I'll get you tired. Like here, let's do some jumping jacks. But I think like that kind of mentality where like, we won't, like we've gotten up and we've left restaurants when they were little before one, because I, I don't want people to have to sit through that. I mean, we try to console, like kind of console them and figure the problem, but if we couldn't, we would just leave. And like, I love it now because the amount of compliments we get when we go out to eat with our kids that it's always please and thank you. Now, mind you, they don't do this at home all the time, but they know if like, if they're out, it's please, thank you. Um, and they're very well behaved in restaurants. And it's because like, we wouldn't put up with them not behaving and like, like use that like whole military and just like, no, like you're not going to be these little a-holes running around this restaurant right now. Like nobody wants that. Totally. I, I mean, I had a similar conversation with my kids going back to school. It's like, you're, if you want to win the favor, 
of your authorities, you need to use your manners. Nobody likes a kid who doesn't have manners and you're going to make things a lot easier for yourself if you're polite and considerate of other people. Now you can choose to not be. Yeah. But when you don't get along with your teachers and they are sending home, whatever they call those things where they write you up. Oh I'm yeah. Not gonna, I'm not going to get in the middle of that and try to help you with that. You're going to have to figure out how, because you know what, that is your own bed. You've got to lay in it. And there are going to be people in your life who don't like you and they're going to be your boss. And they're going to mm-hmm. be the person at the DMV that you're trying to get something from. Okay. <laughs> so like, <laughs> like be free. You want to be rude, but now you're going to have to deal with the consequences. So I yeah. advise that you learn to get along with people and use your manners. Just yeah. Saying. It's so huge. Like it, it totally is. Like, it sounds like an easy thing, but it's like, no, like please. And thank you go a very long way. Mm-hmm. And one thing I've been trying to teach the kids and they get it, but they don't is being grateful. And that's hard I, to teach. Yeah. And I feel like I, I said this to my daughter, I, and I admitted to her, I was like, you know what? We've given you a lot since the time you were little. We've traveled like multiple times to different islands, like just they've been given a lot. So when something isn't up to their, what they think the standard is and like the complaints, I'm like, oh no, no, no. I was like, okay, this is partially my fault. And, but I'm trying to get them into the habit of practicing gratitude in the morning or before they go to bed. And then showing them like, this is how other people live. Like we are very fortunate yeah. that we can do these things. I know. And Michelle, I've had the same experiences. And I just want to tell you that you're normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so are your kids. Yeah. Now that we've established that, <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you that um, I don't think you can teach gratitude except for maybe depriving them of their needs, which isn't really an option to me or exposing them to people who don't have their needs met. Right. Mm -hmm. But I figure at some point, like we do do what we can do. Like we teach them about money and having to save and buy the things that they desire and equating that to the amount of work they had to put in. Like we have your different methods, Yeah. but what, what if they won't ever really understand it until they're much older and outside of our home, because they're having to do it themselves and provide their needs and then have to provide for other people. And so I've let go of them needing to feel gratitude in order for me to believe that I am teaching them gratitude or I'm parenting properly. And I have also had a lot of insights personally from watching my kids not be grateful because I notice, and you probably notice this too, is when they're not grateful for something that they have, I don't want to give them anything else. Yeah, no, that it's, that's such a good point. Like so my daughter, God bless her soul. She is so sweet, but she is in her own world a lot of the times. So just this past, you know, last week we have a um, condo down in the Outer Banks and she packed and she's 11. And I went through the checklist. Do you have this? Do you have this? Does she have her bathing suit? No. Three times I told this child to pack two bathing suits. So we get down to the Outer Banks she does not have a bathing suit. And I'm weird. like, so weird. I'm like, how many times did I tell you? I was like, literally Elizabeth three times. She's like, well, so what I made her 
do. I wasn't going to buy her one or my husband didn't want me to, but I was like, okay, well, she needs one for the week. And we had my niece down. So she was going to wear one of my nieces who's three old, like three years older. She's a teenager. I'm like, that's not going to work. So I went to like the, the super wings or whatever. And I got her a couple of bathing suits. And I said, listen, she didn't know I was doing it, but I did it. I said, when we get home, you're giving me $30 from your bank. I was like, because not once, not twice, but three times I told you to bring your bathing suit and you completely forgot. I was like, so now that just cost you 30 bucks. Yeah. And maybe like, for her, that will be like a memory that will inspire her to remember. to. Well, listen to you. you know what her response was when I first said that to her? She goes, well, it's not my fault that you bought them. I'm like, wow. wait, say what? I was like, it's not my fault that I bought them. I was like, do you want to watch us swim every day in this 90 degree heat? I was like, you will give me the $30. It's not my fault that you forgot them. So this is what the price to pay is. And she's I mean, like, I guess she yeah. could have chosen to bring them back and keep her $30. I don't know. <laughs> like, but but I, I was thinking about how, because when they don't feel the gratitude, I don't want to give them anymore. Yeah. I thought, oh my goodness, this is how God feels about me when I'm not thankful for what I have in my life. I'm feeling lack sometimes mm-hmm. in my life. And I'm thinking, God's like, are you freaking serious? Like, I'm not going to let give you any more blessings. Yeah. I, yeah, no, totally. Like I get it. And myself too, like I am like, I'll admit I'm a little bit ignorant to like, I realize there's a lot of people that don't live, you know, like we do in other countries in the United States, like everywhere. I was like, there's a lot of bad stuff happening. And I try to kind of keep myself in a bubble, which is good and bad. Like, I don't want to just turn a blind eye to certain things. And I love helping people when I can, but at the same time, I'm like, Oh, like, it's just, yeah, you can't take on the problems of the world. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. Like as much as like, I want my kids and myself to like, know what's going on. Like, cause there's a lot of bad stuff. It's very easy. I think to get stuck in it mm-hmm. and you kind of are missing out of what, on what you have. And I feel like that sounds selfish, but at the same time, it's kind of like, you know. yeah, well, you, you've got to do your due diligence to keep your light shining and bright. Yeah. Right. And so if you bring in things into your world that dim that, and then you have to spend your energy managing that, Mm -hmm. right? Like, is it easier for you or better for you and everyone around you to just eliminate all of that darkness that comes in and dims your light? If it's possible, some people choose to do that or you could, or you could spend your energy managing all of that emotion that comes from bringing the darkness in. Yeah. That's it. Like, I feel like we could literally talk forever. There's one thing that I want to, um, and I think we should do a part two, by the way, I think once, yes, like once the kids have been in school and like the sports and I would love to do part two, but one thing that I want to touch upon before we end is I always say it and it sounds silly. I feel like you hear it all over the place, but like the importance of self-care Mm -hmm. and really like the idea of there's a reason they tell you on a plane to put your own oxygen mask on. And I think as women, we feel a lot of guilt sometimes Mm -hmm. taking time for ourselves. I know I have, you know, I've talked to some people where I can't tell you how many times I've heard like, oh, I just, I don't have the time. And that's just an excuse. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's, you choose how you're spending your time 
Yeah. And like, what's your kind of, what's your take on self-care and like working and moms and all that stuff? So you're talking to a person who has always prioritized self-care. Oh, good. Even though I have a bunch of kids. <laughs> yeah. But like, see how you have to be like, even though, you know what I mean? Cause there's like this, like, I don't know, like there's like this idea that it's bad. I think it's just simply that I have a lot of obstacles to creating a practice of self-care in my life. And sometimes it's more the way I want it. And sometimes it's less the way that I want it. But I think that the truth is that I always know inside that I'm choosing what I really want. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if I'm choosing to take my kids to the pool for the day, instead of do like my exercise and my meditation and my clean eating or whatever it is that I call self-care, yeah. but I choose to take them to the pool for the day because I have the opportunity and the freedom and the resources to do that. Then I get to enjoy that on a level that I wouldn't, if I was resentful and saying, I can't have the time for myself Yeah, because I'm doing this thing that I don't really want to do. That's huge. Yeah. yeah, So I'm always checking in with myself to get clear and I still mess it up every now and then I'll find myself in resentment or self-pity and be like, why'd you choose that then? Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. Yeah. Why are you lying to yourself? You chose to do that. Nobody made you do that. Why did Mm -hmm. you do that if you didn't really want to? But I think it's really getting clear for your self-care, I think is really getting clear for yourself of what you really want and then honoring that every day. It's a moment by moment for some people, because some people, I'll tell you this, talking to women in their forties who have had children and raised families, some of them don't even know what they want. Yeah. Oh, totally. I agree. Never given themselves space to get. Uh, like clear with their cells of who they are and what they really want. Mm -hmm. And so when you start giving them these questions, like they feel like they should know, and then they judge themselves for not knowing, but they've never given themselves space to explore what brings them joy and pleasure without it needing to satisfy anybody else in their life. Yeah, that's, I love that. And that's basically like, so my, most of my clients are exactly that. Like the women that are in their forties that are just they're kind of on that hamster wheel, like, and they don't know how to get off because they're a little bit confused and they haven't actually spent any time really figuring out like what they want. They've been so busy working, raising kids that it's kind of like, okay, they might find themselves stuck um, in a career that they don't want overweight because they've just been eating or over drinking because it's kind of like they're numbing, like all of that stuff. And um, yeah. And they're wait, 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 who am I? Right. Who am I? Now I don't, if I'm not a mom, that's constantly slaving away on my kids because they're growing up and not needing me anymore, by the way, that's a sign you're doing it right. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, like, like now it's just me with myself and I don't know who I am. I don't know how to just be with myself and enjoy my own company. Right. And that feel feeling is very disconcerting. It's very uprooted and not scary. Yes. Yeah. So self-care becomes about who am I? What do I want? What brings me joy and pleasure without considering anybody else? Right? Like, and then honoring that. 
Now, sometimes what does bring us joy and pleasure is to bake the cake for the kid and take them out for a birthday party. Yeah. Like that is, if that's joy and pleasurable for you, then you are honoring and you're doing self-care. Mm-hmm. Totally. And like, to your point before, like, there's a difference when you say I choose to do something versus I have to do something. Cause when you feel like you have to do something like, and I'll hear people say like, well, I have to bring my kid here. Or if I have, like, I have to, mm-hmm. you know, do whatever. I'm like, well, you don't have to, like you're choosing to do it. Like, I remember thinking I used to have resentment when my husband, like I would be in the car for three hours commuting to work and he would be able to go to the gym whenever he wanted to during the day or what, you know, kind of made his own schedule. And I would feel myself just being angry. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I have to go to work now. Like I have to do this. And I'm like, then I learned like, no, I'm choosing to, I'm choosing to have this commute. I'm choosing to have this career, which I loved, but it was because I wanted to be able to provide and do other things. And the step that comes before the choice is to give yourself permission and to observe your options. Yeah. And I, I had a very low point in my child rearing and my momming, like after number five, he was sick. He had open heart surgery and he had a bunch of problems and now he's Ooh. healthy. Thanks be to God. Good. We called him our defective baby, but he's no longer <laughs> defective. That's not our defective baby. <laughs> He's a fantastic kid and a wonderful, wonderful, sensitive, loving person. Um, But, and he's four and a half now, but after number five, I had that thinking that really drove me to my knees that I have to do all of these things. And it, I kind of remember the moment that I had this aha, but I think I was sitting in my sunroom, just feeling really sorry for myself, completely Mm -hmm. unaware that it was because of the way I was thinking about things. I didn't have any tools, Yeah, but I thought, I could freaking get in my car and drive away if I wanted to, like some people do that. Mm -hmm. And I gave myself permission to fantasize about that. Well, I would, I would, could drive to California. I could get a pharmacist license in California. I could make a freaking ton of money being a pharmacist in California and living my life without all of this responsibility. And I really looked at that option, not necessarily because I was going to get in my car, but I was just looking at it. Yeah. And I was thinking, is that what you really want? Yeah. Because it's available to you. Totally. And in that moment, I thought, no, I don't want that because I would be sad and lonely. That's and it so matter. good. Yeah. It wouldn't matter if I was in California on the beach with a hot body and lots of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but it's like do you know how many women have thought about like, Oh my God, I just want to run away. Mm -hmm. Like, and it's normal by the way. Yes. Yes. Like, but like, it's such a good point you make. Like you gave yourself the, like the, um, okay, if you will, to fantasize about that. And then you have that realization, like, yeah, like I don't want that. And I'm choosing to stay in my craziness right now, like with the kids and my husband, like everything. And so I wanted to, to. I began to color all of my choices with that filter. Do I want to clean up this disgusting mess right now or not? Do I want to change this baby's diaper right now? Do I want to get up in the middle of the night right now or not? 
And yeah. so every, I, the outcomes were still the same, Michelle. I still did all the laundry. I still changed the diapers and raised the babies, but I did it with a energy of choosing it. Yeah. And it it's completely changed my life. Totally. I love that. And so I am going to end there, but cause I can't wait to do part two. <laughs> if somebody wants to reach out to you, what is the best way for them to find you? You can find me at my website, which is my name. It's Sarah with an H Townley, T-O-W-N-L-E-Y.com. Awesome. And you're coming out with a podcast soon, right? Yes. You know what? I gave myself permission, Michelle, to wait until these children got the heck out of my house. Oh yeah. And then I can, I can, you know why is because when you When you are in a home with six kids and there's fighting, complaining, people asking you for things while you're trying to pee, while you're trying to sleep, while you're trying to um, cook, you become a lot of the time in survival mode. Mm -hmm. You're trying to survive like, and it's okay. But you know what happens when we're in survival mode? We are not, we do not have access to creativity. Yeah. That prefrontal cortex is not working right. You cannot access your higher self, your creativity and your connection to like all of what is possible when you're in survival mode. Mm-hmm. And so I noticed I didn't have the mental space or the capacity to take on a creative project while I was still just trying to survive at home with these six kids needing something from me all the time. So, so I just like, gave myself permission to wait until I have that. And then it yeah. will feel good. And that's really what I'm about. I'm trying to feel good, have fun, feel creative, feel connected. Um, and if I can choose that, then I'm going to support myself in that. Yeah, no, I love that. So Well, thank you all. Thank you, Sarah, so much for being so real and showing up today and having so much fun with me because that was awesome. Um, And thank you all for listening. And if you haven't um, joined the Boot Camp for Your Mind podcast Facebook group, you can head on over there because that's where I do a lot of my free coaching and you can learn more about um, all the different tools that I use with my clients. So I will see you all next week and cheers and be well, my friends. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.